are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. As I've prayed about this morning, I'm praying that uh, there will be people here today who will begin new practices in your life as a result of our time together, and you will begin to impact people's lives like you never dreamed that you could. So we're in a conversation about values. Let me give you this definition one more time. This is the last Sunday in the series. But values would be a person's or society's beliefs about what things are important. So I've been challenging you for the last several weeks to think about what's important to you. What do you value? There is a football game tonight. Is that important to anybody in the room? There was a football game Friday night. Was that important to anybody in the room? And we're not going to mention Texas today. So it's okay to say football is important to me. It's okay to have hobbies. It's great to recreate, you know. But we also realize that there are some things in my life that are very, very important. So I love saying this. So here we go. I want you to look at this with me. We invest our time and our energy and what's important to us. Now, that's just a fact of the matter. You can like it, you can not like it, but you can't change it. It's true. It's the way it is. We invest our time and our energy in what is important to us, what we value. Now, you may say to me, hey, Pastor Rick, look over here, I'm waving my hand. Uh, Volunteering is really important to me. That's really important stuff to me. So I'm going to ask you, in the last six months, tell me where you volunteer. And if you say, well, in the last six months, I haven't really had time to do that. Then I'm going to say to you, that's not really important to you. You may think it should be important to you, but it's not because we invest our time and our energy in what's important to us. So I didn't come up with that idea. Jesus did. Here's the the way he said it in Matthew 6, 21. You're listening. These are Jesus' words. He says, where your treasure is, that's where you're going to find your heart. Where you spend your money, where you spend your time, where you spend your energy, that's what's important to you. And so, as a Christian, I have to ask myself, what should my values be? Here we talk about four values all the time. We talk about time with God. That's really important to me. That was really important to Jesus. Jesus would say, what you guys are doing right now, worshiping together, Jesus would say, when I was on the earth, I did that every weekend. When you slip off in the morning to pray, Jesus said, I always did that. Time with God was important to Jesus. Time with one another. Jesus spent lots of time with His disciples and with His followers. He would say, you've got to spend time with believers. It's really important. Time with others, meaning people who are not yet Christian. Jesus spent lots of time with people who are very sinful. And He got criticized for it, but He did. He always spent time with people who were not yet followers. And then Jesus We're going to learn today, live generously. In fact, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Just Jesus and His life. And here's the next thing I want to say, and I'll move from here, but Jesus valued living generously. Would you say it with me? Jesus valued living generously. You may say, Rick Harvey, how do you know what Jesus valued? Because that's where He spent His time and His energy. Jesus spent His life serving and giving. He valued being generous. 
He valued living generously. And we're going to discover this morning in the Gospel of Luke how Jesus just spent His energy, His time, all of His resources just living generously, helping others, serving others, blessing others, giving to others. That's the Jesus way. And if you and I want to be like Jesus, then that's how we live. So we're in the Gospel of Luke. How much do you know about the Gospel of Luke? We've been talking about it for a few weeks. Here's a great story. You ready for this story? Luke decides that he's no longer content just taking other people's word for what happened regarding Jesus. So here's what he does. He says, I went and I did a careful investigation. I went back and I found people who were still alive that actually spent time hanging around Jesus. I mean, I found people who watched Him perform miracles. I found people who watched Him preach and teach. I found people who were at the crucifixion. And I found people who saw Him after the resurrection. Because I wanted to be sure that what we were saying was all true stuff. And then, after Luke talks to all these people, he begins to write it all down. So when you get to chapter 4, Luke says... Jesus begins His ministry this way. He goes to a city called Capernaum. And He teaches in the synagogue. And people are blown away by Jesus' teaching because He taught as one with authority, Luke says. And there was a guy in the synagogue and he was possessed by a demon. And Jesus cast the demon out of the guy. And people were really amazed by that. And then it really ramped up. Lots of people started coming to Jesus saying, I think you can help me. And so that's how we get to chapter 4, verse 38. So here we go. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Luke 4, 38 through 41. Jesus left the synagogue, meaning after he taught and he cast the demon out of that guy. And he went to the home of Simon. Now this is Simon Peter. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. You might remember that Luke is a medical doctor, so he's choosing his language carefully here. And they asked Jesus to help her. Hey, Jesus, we think maybe you can help. Will you help? And you know what Jesus said? Yes. And you're going to find that that's what Jesus often said when he was asked to help. Jesus just said yes. Just say yes. So he bent over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and begin to wait on him, on them, rather. Now, there, there's this old joke that says, you remember how Simon Peter, like, denies Jesus three times? And some say it may be because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. <laughs> Bad joke. I'll move on. Okay. So at sunset, he goes to the synagogue, he teaches. He leaves from there. He goes to Peter's house, heals his mother-in-law. So by the time we get to sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. I mean, the word is traveling. We think this guy has power to do supernatural things. He can perform miracles. And so, as sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. Laying his hands on each of them, he healed them. Jesus, we think maybe you can help. Will you help? And Jesus says, yes. And so, moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them. Why? Because it wasn't time. Because people didn't have a clear understanding of the Messiah. 
The religious leaders were going to make a power move when they understood who Jesus was. So he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So this is God's word for us today. And we receive it with open hearts this morning. A couple of months ago, my wife Annette and I, we traveled to Israel. And uh, we got up early one morning and uh, began our way from near Jerusalem up to Galilee. I brought a map thinking this might help you a bit. So this is a map that's got lots of colors to help you see. And it's also a map of Jesus' day. So we were staying here near Emmaus, uh, just above Jerusalem. And we drove, and it wasn't very far at all, just a few minutes over to Tel Aviv. This says Joppa. That was Joppa in Jesus' day. So this is Tel Aviv. We get over to the shoreline of the Mediterranean Sea, and we drive up the shoreline to Caesarea. Now, we hung out there for a couple of hours. Herod the Great was trying to prove his loyalty to Caesar, and so he built this city, and he said, Caesar, to show you how loyal I am, I'm going to name the city after you. And so he names it after Caesar. Caesarea, okay? After we hung out at Caesarea for a while, we traveled over past Nazareth and we got to the Sea of Galilee. And we stayed right here on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. That night we went out on the sea. It was pretty awesome. The next day we took a boat ride on the sea. That was awesome. But early that morning when we got up, we actually got in our little bus and we drove around to Capernaum up on the northwest shore. Right here is Capernaum, okay? And, and while we were there, it was pretty cool because we all got off the bus. You walk up to go into the main entrance. It's kind of like a national park. Many of the holy sites are kind of like national parks. And you see the sign, and it says, Welcome to Capernaum, hometown of Jesus. Pretty cool, huh? But that's what Jesus did. Jesus actually moved from Nazareth, okay, right over here, to Capernaum when he begins his ministry. And so he's in the synagogue in Capernaum very early on. He teaches. He casts the demon out. He leaves from there, the synagogue. And I thought maybe you might want to see a picture of the synagogue. So let me show that up. These are the ruins of the synagogue in Capernaum. I walked around right in there. That's not me, but I was in that area. Um, the synagogue has been rebuilt. So this isn't the actual stones maybe that Jesus would have seen because about a thousand years ago, the Crusaders came in and rebuilt the synagogue, but it's the same size, and it's in the same spot. And when you're there, it gives you a real strong sense of what was happening there. Jesus leaves the synagogue, walks out the front of the synagogue here, and just across the way was Simon's house. So when you say, well, like how far away? I mean like from here to the back of the sanctuary. That close. And so today they have built a church over the ruins of Simon's house. And because they wanted to preserve the ruins, and you just see kind of stones, a foundation, the church is built kind of on this unique set of braces and trusses to where it looks more like a spaceship than a Catholic church, honestly. It's just kind of hovering over this area. So Jesus goes in and he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And then 
the news is traveling like crazy. Hey, there's this guy, his name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth and he's healing people. You got to get your sick people here. And so all of a sudden, by the time you get to sunset, people are bringing all kinds of people to Jesus. And they're coming to Jesus saying, hey, we think maybe you can help us. Can you help us? Will you help us? And Jesus says, yes. And he heals them. And he drives out many demons. Here's what's interesting. All of them had something in common. You know what it was? They all had needs. Big needs. And Jesus saw their needs. Here's what I think about you and me. I think you and I are tempted, okay? We're tempted to focus on our own needs. Sometimes somebody comes up to me and they say, How you doing? And I kind of want to talk about some stuff going on in my life. And really it's nothing compared to what they're dealing with. But I'm human. I'm like you. I tend to see my needs. But Jesus didn't. What Jesus did was He saw their needs. And I think it's really good news for you this morning. Because Jesus sees you where you are right now. Jesus knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your body. He knows what's going on in your family. He knows what's going on in your friendships. He knows where your struggles are. He knows what's going on in your finances. Jesus sees you. Right now, Jesus knows what's going on in your life. Jesus sees your needs. Last Saturday, I showed up here at the church a couple of times, and I met with about 250 people each time. And we got to be a part of this awesome event, Feed My Starving Children. I brought some pictures, and they'll scroll through over the next few minutes. You'll enjoy seeing them. It's a group that says, we want to desperately feed hungry kids. And so they used our Family Life Center, and 250 people came in the morning, and 250 came in the afternoon, and we packed over a 1,000 meals. I actually tasted the food. It's pretty decent. You just mix it with some boiling water. You can add other things to it if you have it. If not, it's very nutritious. It will get you a very good balanced meal. And so I just loved it. I love the fact that Barbie Moore, who is our Director of World Missions, prayed that morning. She prayed, Lord Jesus, after my hands touch this bag of food, I pray that the next hands that touch this food will be the hands of a hungry child. You love that? We didn't actually buy the food. Feed My Starving Children said, we need a place to package all this food. Can we use your Family Life Center? We said, sure. But you know what we said to them? We said, we want you to come back. And we want to buy the food. So here's the plan. We're very excited about it. When we get together on Christmas Eve this year, when 3,500 people come to our three services to worship together, we're going to ask for an offering. And we're going to say it's Christmas. It's a time to give. Would you be willing to give to some hungry kids? And I believe in those three services, we're going to raise the $24,000 to buy the food. And then in January, we're going to meet in our Family Life Center again, and we're going to pack the food. And if you didn't get to do it this time, you can do it in January. You love that. You know what really touched my heart? We just get up one Sunday, and we said, we think you can help. Will you help? We just need you to show up and package some food. Would you do that? And you know what 500 people said? On the first day? Yes. I think I can help. I'll do it. The answer was just a simple yes. 
See, I'm convinced that if you want to become more like Jesus, it's a matter of you saying yes to volunteering and giving because Jesus lived his life volunteering and giving. It was just the way he rolled. Jesus, I think you can help me. Will you help me? And Jesus said, yes. Let me just tell you a few stories because it's all the same story. It's Luke. Luke's saying, you know, when I started writing that stuff down, I couldn't quit writing because I talked to so many people and heard so many stories. There was this guy who had leprosy. Do you know what leprosy is? It's this disease of the skin. It literally eats you alive. I can't touch you if you have leprosy because I would get leprosy. And so I need you to wear a bell around your neck. So every time you take a step, that rings, and I look around, and I avoid you. That was what this man was living like. And he came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I think you can help me. I think you can make me clean. Will you? And you know what Jesus said? Yes. And Jesus healed the man and he became immediately clean of leprosy. There were these guys and they had this friend and he was paralyzed. I mean, he couldn't walk. I don't mean he didn't walk. I mean, he could not walk. Walking was not an option for him. And his friends think, if I can just take him to Jesus, maybe Jesus would do something for him. But they can't get to Jesus because Jesus is in a house. And everybody's crowding around because Jesus has the power to do miracles. And so they go up on top of the house and they remove some of the roof. And Luke says they let him down through the roof. And they get him in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, wow, this is incredible faith that your friends have. And you know what Jesus says to the guy? Because what they're really saying is, Jesus, we think you can help him. Will you help him? And Jesus said, yes. Pick up your mat and go home. And the man stands up and he walks away. And I bet the place went absolutely nuts. What do you think? And there was another guy who was in the synagogue and he had a shriveled hand. We don't know what it's all about, but we know it wouldn't straighten out. Jesus knows everybody is watching to see what he's going to do because it's the Sabbath. And Jesus says to the guy, stand right here in front of everybody. And the guy gets in front of everybody. And Jesus looks at the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and said, What is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or evil? Nobody knows what to say. And Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man starts opening up his hand and he was immediately healed. People would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I think you can help. Would you be willing to help? And Jesus said, yes. Do you remember this other occasion when he's with these people who've been following him for a couple of days because they can't get enough of his teaching and his power? And the disciples say, you better send them away. They're hungry. Maybe they're hangry at this point, you know. And Jesus says, I can't send them away. Well, why not? Because they'll collapse. Give them something to eat. And they said, we have nothing. We got five loaves. Two fish. That's it. And Jesus breaks them and they multiply and Jesus feeds them. And as you move through the Gospel of Luke, Luke keeps telling the stories. He made blind people see. He made sick people well. He cast out demons. He fed people when they were hungry. And if we're going to be like Jesus, when we see needs in front of us, our answer is going to have to be yes. I can help. My mom's 83. 
She still calls me Ricky. And she also says I'm her baby boy. Like, Mom, how long are you going to tell people I'm your baby boy? She goes, how long are you going to call me Mama? <laughs> My mom's been really in trouble with her back. So finally, the word comes back, Miss Harvey, we're going to need to put a cage in your back. I mean, we're going to need to bypass a lot of your spine. This is major surgery. This is complicated. This takes a lot out of you at 83. My siblings are going, nah, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know if this is good. If she gets down, will she get back up? Don't know that we should put her through this. My mom's like, something's got to happen. I can't, I can't live. The pain is overwhelming. The doctors seem to be delaying. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try a stimulator with the pain. Let's try a pump for the pain. Let's do something else. Finally, my mom just said to me, you know what? The Lord can touch me. My mother, she just has this incredible faith. And she just reads these stories and she just says, well, there you go. Jesus can heal people. I'll just ask Jesus to heal me. She lives in such close relationship and communion with the Lord that for her it's just it's nothing to say, well, Lord, you can do this. A couple of months ago, I get a phone call from my mom, and she says, Ricky, the Lord has touched my back. I'm not in pain anymore. Now listen, you and I know medically, that's just not possibility, right? But my mom would say to you, oh my goodness, look at you. With God, all things are possible. You know? She says, I went to church Last Sunday, and the pastor did an open altar. She said, I haven't been able to go to the altar for so long because I can't get down and get up. And she says, I thought to myself, well, the Lord's touched me, and I can go to the altar. And my mom goes to the altar, and she says, as I'm kneeling down, a voice said to me, and it wasn't the Lord, I promise you. The voice said to me, how are you going to get back up from here? And my mom said, I just said, by the same good grace of God that I got down, you know. And my mother said, the pastor said amen, and when he said amen, I stood up like everybody else without one bit of pain. And then my mom just says to me, Ricky, do you see how much the Lord loves us? That He would do something like that? Isn't He so good that He would think enough of you that He would touch your body when you're in suffering and pain? Do you understand how good God is? Do you understand how generous? Do you understand how good the Lord is to us, Ricky? That God would do this for you? Man, I just began to pray. And I began to say to Mom, you got to pray for Abby. You know, Abby's fighting cancer. you got to pray for Hudson. Hudson wants to walk again. You know, Mom, just take all that faith that God's blessed you with. My mom, when we get in trouble, we just call my mom. We call her Granny. And my daughter Morgan will say, this is big. I think I'm going to have to call Granny. You know, she's got to pray. You know. Do you understand that crowds would come to Jesus? Individuals would come to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I think you can help me. Would you help me? And Jesus said, yes, I can help you. Now, question, why do you think Jesus healed people, 
cast demons out of people, fed people, gave people their sight. Why do you think he did it? I happen to know the answer to this. You ready for it? You might want to write it down. It's big. Do you know why Jesus did that stuff? Here's the answer. Because people were sick and possessed and hungry and blind. Let me give you his words. Before he feeds a group of people, he says, I have compassion for these people. No more to it. Jesus loves people. And when he sees people in need, it moves his heart. He's compassionate. It bothers him that you're going through a hard time today. Jesus is compassionate for you about what you're dealing with. It's a big deal to him that you're struggling. That's it. The reason Jesus healed people was because he had compassion. See, I think, I think what happens sometimes when we talk about, you know, serving, volunteering like Jesus, giving like Jesus, living generously like Jesus, it all becomes about me. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, uh, I, 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 you know, want to serve. Um, I think, I think it'd be good for me to find a place to serve. I think, you know, I need to serve somewhere. I'm thinking about serving. I want to, I'm, you know, me, me, my, you know, just on and on and on. What if you served because somebody needed you? What if you just gave to missions because they really need it? What if you volunteered because people needed you? See, this is, this is the heart of Jesus. People have real needs. And when I serve, it's not about me. Because I think I should serve and it would help me if I served. No. Jesus was never there. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we can't be there. We find ourselves volunteering and we find ourselves giving because people have real needs. And we want to be the hands now and the feet of Jesus in our world today. You good with that? So, you received this when you came in. Connect card. At the bottom, you can just tear it off. Here's the first thing I would ask of you. If this is one of your first Sundays here today, I, I really hope that you fill this out. And uh, there's a connect box at every door that you walk out. Just a red box that says connect. Fill it out. Here's what we would love to do. We'd love to contact you this week and just say, you got any questions about the church? Anything we can do for you? How can we bless you? How can we pray for you? We're not going to make your life miserable by calling you, I promise you. We just want to be available to you. So if you'd fill that out, that would just be awesome. And then the other thing is, there's a place at the bottom that says, I'm ready to say yes. You know what, Rick Harvey, I've been sitting here year after year. I listen to you guys get up and talk about volunteering, and I just never take that step. Today is different. I can help, I know I can help, and I'm going to say yes. 
And so you just write your name on one side and on the back you just check some boxes that say, you know, I think I might serve in this area. Or you might say, I don't really know. You know, call me. Let's talk about where I might serve. So I'm, I'm thinking like this today. I'm thinking 50, 50 people sign a card and say, I'm going to start serving. And I don't mean just serve in the church. I like that too. But serve outside the church. Let the community see Jesus in you, right? Here's the other thing. There are many of you saying, you know, Rick, I believe in Bethany First Church. I love what you're trying to do in the lives of children around here. I love what you're doing in the lives of youth and teenagers. You should go to that Family Life Center. You know, Wednesday night we had about 300 teenagers in there. Do you know what that's like? I mean, it's amazing the opportunity God has given us to invest in teenagers. After that, at 9 o'clock, there were about 300 university students in that same room back there. Do you know that God has given us an opportunity to invest in these students? Every afternoon, there's about 250 children in our after-school program. We're investing in them. It's free of charge to the community. We just want to make a difference in their lives and in the lives of their families. You may say, I love what you're doing in Africa or I love what you're doing in Arizona with the Native Americans. Or I love hearing about Two Lakes and how you're impacting that community. I want to be a part of it. And maybe you've kind of laid back and said, I didn't really give to this ministry, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start living more like Jesus. I'm going to be more generous. And today, I'm going to give a gift to this ministry. And I'm going to keep giving a gift to this ministry. I would love to have 50 brand new givers today that says, you know what? This is a good thing. I need to be supporting this. There's envelopes right in front of you. You can take one, write your name on it, put your gift in, put it in the offering plate. And Rick, I'm going to support this ministry in my giving. And some of you are going to increase your giving. Some of you are going to return to giving because you want to be like Jesus. I want to live generously. So I want you to stand with me. I feel like I need to pause for a minute too. And here's why I want to pause. I've been talking about what Jesus can do in people's lives today. You might need healing today. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe it's sin that you need healing from. You just need God's touch on your life today. And so as we sing, before we go, if you want to come and pray this morning in first service, there were people all across the front just saying, Lord, I need you today. You're generous. You're very giving. I need your grace poured out into my life. Some of you may want to come and make a commitment this morning about your own generosity. God, help me to be more generous. But if you want to pray, there'll be some pastors down here. They'll just be standing here. If you want one of them to pray for you, they will. Let's respond to God's Word today together. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.